Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Bold Beautiful Borderline podcast. My name is Lori, and as always, I'm here with the amazing Sarah. And today we're going to be doing part two of our Dating Chronicles episode. Um, Before we get started, we just want to say a huge thank you to Kelly and Cassie Marie, who are two new patrons on Patreon, and we love and we appreciate your love and support so much. Again, I'm sure I've said this every time we've thanked Patreon members, but we didn't think anybody would listen to this podcast, let alone financially support us. And so we're just incredibly thankful for everything that you're doing. On that note, also, um, we are restocking stickers currently. So if you would like to get orders in, please send us an email at boldbeautifulborderline at gmail.com and or DM us on Instagram. And we will make sure that we get an order in for you so that you don't miss... um, the second drop, given the first drop sold out in 48 hours, <laughs> which was wild. So um, Dating Chronicles Part 2. Uh, Sarah, we left off Dating Particle. <laughs> dating Particles. <laughs> dating Chronicles Part 1 uh, with you kind of chatting about this situationship that you were in with a man. And you were saying that you were worried or you were, you were questioning whether or not you kind of owe telling this person about your BPD diagnosis and how you may feel you were worried that it was going to kind of lead to confirmation bias where if you told them and then they rejected you, you would kind of like have that self hate of, Oh, I'm a bad human who deserves to be rejected. So how are things going with the situation ship? And uh, did you tell them about your BPD diagnosis? Yeah. So (laughs) this, Um, okay. One, I do have permission to talk about these things. So I think that is important to acknowledge. And two, the situationship has, um, graduated into something more formal than that. Um, and interestingly enough, so it's been like, I don't know, six weeks or something, since the last time we recorded on this topic, um, maybe, maybe six weeks. I can't remember, but it was a while ago, like a month, maybe. Yeah. I know it's been longer than a month. Um, so graduated out of the situation ship into something more formal, which involves practicing like monogamy together which was really interesting because I did not, at least the way that I remember it, prompt that conversation. Um, And I was like pretty nervous about that idea. Um, And it took me like a 24 to 72 hour kind of weekend alone at the beach to be like, okay, yeah, I can do this. And I did come out to him about my borderline personality disorder. (laughs) Yay. I'm pretending I didn't know this, but I for sure already knew this. So do you want to tell us how that went? Did it go how you expected? What did you say? Et cetera, et cetera. 
Yeah. So, okay. So if you're a Patreon member who's listening, then you've perhaps heard the bonus episode about (laughs) a specific incident that involved me spending like $5 on a white pages um, subscription to get, to gain some information about my now boyfriend. (laughs) And I'll just leave it at that. If you guys want to listen, then you'll have to become a Patreon subscriber. But um, the episode for the record is called best 499 I've ever spent or something like that. Yeah. Best 499 I've ever spent. So (laughs) that involves social media and trying to, yeah, that involves social media. So eventually the, the conversation was prompted because um, he and I had been talking, seeing each other, you know, dating, whatever, for like a total of, I don't know, two months, a little bit longer. And um, well, definitely talking, not seeing each other and dating, but whatever. Anyways, he ended up randomly out of the blue one day following me on Instagram. And I was just like, fuck, fuck, fuck. That was not the plan because if y'all follow me on Instagram, you know, I have borderline personality disorder. It's plastered all over my page. So to me, it felt like this very weird, obvious thing of like, I'm talking about my borderline personality disorder. I'm dating you. You're following me on Instagram, but we haven't talked about the fact that I'm talking about borderline personality disorder in like every other post, every other story, all of this information about our podcast. Um, and my anxiety was just increasing as like the days went on of acknowledging that like he was following me and he was watching my stories (laughs) and we were not having this conversation. And it, it wasn't like I came out to him for the purposes of like, I really feel like you need to have this data about me, but rather like this is going to soothe my anxiety because it's this, it felt like this obvious like thing So like, like elephant in the room to the extreme, basically to the extreme, because if anybody follows Lori and I on social media, you guys know, we literally like reblog or repost everything each other does. We're like ultimate hype women for one another. Like my half of the stories that I post are specific to the podcast. And the name of the podcast is bold, beautiful borderline. And he has historically worked in an emergency department. So I know he has context for the word borderline. So I was so awkward because I was so nervous. Like we were laying in bed or something. And I was just like, okay, so I just, we got to talk about this thing. And he was like, yeah. And I said, you follow me on Instagram. And he was like, yeah. And I said, so, you know, I have a podcast and like, you know, it's very personal to me and I haven't, I don't feel comfortable having you listen to it yet or like talking about it yet. And like, I just was so, and he he was so cute because he was just like not placating me, but he was just like present with me and just like, yep. Yes. Yes. I know. Like, 
And I finally was like, okay, so my best friend, Lori, and I host a podcast about borderline personality disorder. I have borderline personality disorder. And he was like, I kind of figured that. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I know how to read. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they taught me that. And he's an English major. So (laughs) really, he knows how to read and write. Um, Yeah. So I said, like, this is the biggest shame of my life. And I wouldn't be telling you this if you hadn't followed me on Instagram and you following me on Instagram has actually been giving me a lot of anxiety the last few days because I felt like I had to acknowledge this thing. And, uh, he was just like, well, I'm glad that it's out in the open. And I was just like, yeah, okay. So now you can tell me what a terrible borderline from hell I am and you can run and we don't have, we can stop doing this dating thing. You know, that was everything that was going through my brain or whatever, because I still have so much internalized stigma. Did you say Um, that out loud? I don't remember if I said the borderline from hell language out loud, but I definitely insinuated, like, if you want to stop dating me, if you feel like this is more than you were interested in signing up for, like, then that's okay. And he was just like, you're a person like we're all people, we all have things. Nothing about you makes me want to run away. In fact, I like, I'm finding myself wanting to spend a lot of time with you. Like nothing about you has changed to me. That's incredible. Yeah. And I, and we're told our whole lives that like relationships are going to be impossible, blah, 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 blah. And so I find like Aaron's the same way, right? when I told him, he was like, oh, okay, like, great, whatever. It's not a big deal. And like, I think well, and he already knew too, right? Like, cause you right. she had time. Class. Yes. True, true, true. But like, it's just, it's interesting that like you were so anxious about that. And then his reaction was basically like, oh, okay, cool. Right. Like we build it up in our heads so much. And I will admit, like I've had relationships end because I've told them. So like, I'm not pretending that that doesn't happen, but I'm really glad that it went the way it did for you. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is that like, I knew in the back of my head that it was going to go well, just based off of who he is and what um, the last few months of interacting with him have been like, but it just is this, like still to this day, I've never said to my father, I have borderline personality disorder. I now know he knows because my mom and I had a really like fabulous validating conversation about it, but I've never said to my father, I've never said to my brother, like that's a big deal. Um, and I, my hope is that I can start to be more vocal about it outside of social media and in the real world with people as I kind of like slowly expose myself to these conversations more and more and people respond positively. Yeah, totally. And like, again, I, I know it's scary, but even if they don't respond positively, then you probably don't want those people in your life as much. Right. And I like easier said than done. I get that, but just that's kind of my mentality on it. Did he ask any questions about what borderline was or like, did you go into it at all? So this is what is really interesting to me is like, we really haven't had a ton of follow-up conversations about it. 
in terms of like what the actual disorder is. Um, it feels to me like he does kind of have an understanding and, I mean, I reference like skills and emotional regulation and being dysregulated often. And he's seen me cry a ton. So like, you know, like that's just, if I start crying out of the middle of nowhere, that's obviously a borderline thing because that happens to me a lot. Um, But he's only seen like one moment of dysregulation where I was like, I can't do this. I don't want to be with anyone this normal. I cannot do this. And I started to pack my shit like frantically. And he, we talked about it afterwards and he was like, I knew once you started to grab your coffee and your creamer that like, you might really leave. (laughs) Like that is the line, not your toothbrush, not your clothes, but like specifically your coffee and your creamer. But because I forget a lot of things. I don't know if you're like this, Lori, but like my brain is constantly moving at a rate that is so overwhelming to me that mundane tasks and mundane things are really hard for me to remember. So like, I forget my toothbrush here all the time. And like, I forget, I forget stuff a lot. And he was like, once I realized that you were like actually intentionally grabbing everything that you own from my apartment, I realized you were leaving and like, we needed to intervene. Um, and it was like a 15 or 20 minute moment of just me being like really dysregulated not by anything that he did, but just by like fear of him leaving. And I stopped and I started to use the tip skill. Like I grabbed an ice cube from his freezer. I put it on my neck. I put it on my face. I put it on my wrists. And then I turned around and I looked at him and I said, I'm really dysregulated, but I don't want to leave. Holy, that is a huge win. To be able to be in that like abandonment moment, which is, it's, it might sound stupid to people that don't get what it feels like to live with BPD, but like what was happening in your brain was like, I don't want to be with this great person because if he abandons me, it's going to hurt. So then you were like preemptively leaving essentially. Right. Um, So when you're in that like abandonment dysregulation to, to be able to use those skills, like, holy cow, especially such a tangible skill, like tip, right. Where you're just like, I need to grab an ice cube right now. Like, and then to say I'm in a moment of dysregulation, which I think is, I mean, he probably already knew that, but it's really good to have the language said out loud because otherwise sometimes it's, we're just very confusing people. Yeah. Um, and it, it's interesting too, because like generally when we're in those moments, all you can think about is that current moment, like current dysregulated Sarah, you can't think of future Sarah that would be like devastated and sad that I like did leave. Um, and when, once I grabbed the ice cube and I put it on my wrist, I started to realize like, Sarah, think about you being in your van in like six hours, knowing that you just broke up with this man that is like, you don't want to break up with him, you know, like stop it. You don't want to deal with that. That's not what we're doing here knock it off, figure it out and go back. And all of that happened with like in a 10, 15 minute period of time. And he was really supportive, really validating. And then he laid on the floor and he did deep breathing afterwards. And I was like, do you need me to go to the dog park so you can have some space? Because I understand that what just happened might've been overwhelming to you. And he was like, nope, if I need that, I will tell you. 
Uh, what I need is I need to lay on the floor and breathe for a minute and just get centered. And then we can go back to our normal stuff. And um, like that night we left for a really amazing night away in the van. And so it's been, and it continues to be really skillful and it feels like something that I've never experienced before, which makes me really sad because I've been married. Um, so I think I'm continuing to mourn like my marriage and how not skillful it was at times because I'm having this thing that is different and that gives me an incredible sense of guilt because I still feel like strong level of responsibility and um, allegiance to my ex-wife. A few things there. So like, first of all, it sounds like it's very skillful. The current relationship is very skillful in on both ends, which is huge because you can be skillful all you want, but if the other person isn't being like that, then it's not going to be helpful. Um, and I, I totally get the morning about the your marriage and I'm sorry that that's how you're feeling. Um, but it makes sense. Right. But at the same time though, like, I hope that obviously like that process is going to take a long time and it's not like something you could just like get over. But, um, I really do believe that sometimes I, I, I mean, I, I believe that everything happens for a reason, which is stupid and whatever, but I, I actually genuinely believe that. And I think sometimes like bad relationships happen not saying that that was a bad relationship, but relationships that don't work out happen so that we learn something about ourselves and how we interact with other people. Right. So like you learned a lot from your marriage and maybe it wasn't meant to work out, but you were meant to learn those things to now end up in something else, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, we've been talking about this for so long. I feel like at some point I have to stop talking about it, but I just am not ready yet. <laughs> um, you never have to. But I feel like I can really understand the spectrum of relationships. Like I've had bad relationships, you know, like relationships where police were called and relationships where grooming occurred and you know like I've had bad relationships so my marriage with Tori wasn't on that spectrum um but I didn't realize that there was an opportunity for something more emotionally safe and intimate and yeah I hope she finds something else that makes her feel the way I feel right now. But. I'm sure she will eventually. I don't like, I mean, for all we know, it's already happened. Right. We, we have also Sarah and I just like off not recording. We do talk when we don't record um, more than we probably are supposed to. Constantly. <laughs> Actually last night. Less I'm, constantly now, but. <laughs> last night I got like eight messenger messages from you. And I was just like, I don't think I have it in me to respond tonight. I'm going to respond in the morning. <laughs> that's fair. That's how, that's why I'm so bad at answering all of your messages. Like not yours, like the world's messages, because I, I have learned that I get overwhelmed when I get too many messages. So I 
do them all in one group because that's the only way that I will survive. I mean, that's like an exaggeration, but I, that's the only way that I can stay well in my head. And I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. And I, I know sometimes like I rocket fire messages back to Lori too. So. Sorry, wait, I was, I was actually going to say I had a, I had a point to this. (laughs) Sorry. Um, So yes, Sarah and I talk a lot. We're obsessed with each other, but can you blame us? Um, But one of the things that we were talking about was potentially the gender differences in relationships. And I mean, I can't speak to this. I've only been in relationships with men, Um, but like Sarah's ex-wife was a girl (laughs) and a woman, woman. sorry. (laughs) It was weird. And uh, now this, now this new person is a man. So, um, (laughs) so I, I know that you had kind of said that maybe that has something to do with it, Sarah. And maybe if you, if you want to like explain, some of the differences there, maybe I'm just as, yeah, a, as a straight just, person. I'm curious to know more about that. Can I just tell you the funniest story too? That's just like so stereotypical. Yeah. Male. And it's like, it's so interesting to me, right? Because like this man that I'm dating really has done a ton of unlearning of like what gender means and looks like obviously he like we were socialized to be very strongly gendered and he I feel like is really intentional about noticing and unlearning those things but like there's some moments where I'm like fuck you really just are a boy aren't you like I cannot believe he just said that which is just so funny to me but so anyways so this is my funny story about just him being just a boy um I live in a van. We take the van places and do things. And we were going up to Mount Hood this weekend and we were going to have a fire, but I lost my hatchet. And he's just been on one about finding a hatchet. And I'm like, okay, dude, like (laughs) we can get, like, we don't need another hatchet. Like, I think we can start a fire without it. We have the wood already. Like, it's just a matter of like, we're going to be in the woods so we can find small pieces of wood to act as kindling to burn. We don't need to cut our wood into kindling, but whatever. But he was just fucking on one about finding a hatchet. So even when we got back from our trip, we're back in town. We have no immediate plans that will involve building a fire or, or like hatcheting wood. He's like, well, let's just stop at Fremire and see if we can find a hatchet. Okay, <laughs> whatever. So we go and like they're sold out of hatchets. And he's like, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. What if we just get a machete? <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, well, what if we just get a machete? It's sawtooth, so it'll like saw through wood. And I was just like, are you fucking playing? Like, you think I'm gonna live in a van with a machete? What if it gets broken into and like, I have a machete chilling and like the bad guy grabs the machete and hacks my neck off. I was going to ask, can you just buy machetes at like Walmart? And then I realized like you can buy guns at Walmart in the States. So you probably can buy whatever you want. I think that you're no longer allowed to buy guns at Walmart. I think, I think Walmart made a decision in the last like year or so to nix that. But at Fred Meyer. What a concept. (laughs) I know. At Fred Meyer, they're just in the lockable case so you just have to ask the like 
16 year old like I'll work her to unlock a damn machete for you and I'm talking like 18 inches like a long machete like Texas Chainsaw Massacre so I was like we are not getting a machete right so then we were going about our way and we drive past a Lowe's and I was just like, do you want to stop at Lowe's and see if they have a hatchet? And he's like, yes, I do. And I'm just like, again, okay. We go, we find like two different hatchets that are sold out. So like just the sticker, you know, and there's none in the whatever. Then we find a damn $35 hatchet, like the $15.99 hatchet sold out, the $19.99 hatchet sold out. We find a $35 blue hatchet, like made in America with like a, like a case over the thing. And I was like, okay, well, here's the hatchet. Are you going to buy it? And he was like, yes, I am. I'm just like, you're playing. Like, should, I, should I be concerned that hatchets are sold out all over Portland right now? Because that seems to be a little bit concerning. But it's also, season. I guess it is. Okay, so I don't camp. But can't you just buy kindling also? Yeah, but... But that's can, not a hatchet. You can just cut your own. Yeah, yeah, no, they I know. Jack yeah. up the prices of kindling so much. And when I have a one-a-day Starbucks habit, I don't need to buy my own kindling. <laughs> yeah, um, true. Priorities. <laughs> Plus now I have a boy with a blue expensive hatchet with a cover to cut my kindling for me. Anyways, so just like, so boy-like. Yeah, the gender differences are strange. I'm having a lot of sex. I'll say that. I've heard. (laughs) Which is really helpful for me in my impulsivity. Um, In what sense? spontaneous sexual interaction kind of like fuels that need for um, engaging in safe, impulsive behavior. So like, I do feel like because I'm having, because he's a boy with like a high sex drive, I do feel like I'm having more impulsive interactions um, sexually. And that's, that feels safe for me and it feels like it takes care of some of that impulsivity and spontaneity that I need that hasn't been met for a really long time Um, right so basically you're you're like having spontaneous sex so that's kind of like filling the need to be like impulsive elsewhere that could be more negative totally that's awesome yeah I mean I'm not gonna lie and say there aren't moments where I'm like motherfucker if you're not mansplaining me right now and he doesn't mean to, you know what I mean? There's only been like one or two times I've had to really like call it out or notice it, but yeah, I don't know. I feel the thing for me that's hard. And this is like such a BPD thing is I feel like such a strong protective sense of my queer identity that isn't being very outwardly expressed anymore because like if I walk into a store to the Saturday market with a man and I see a queer couple I can't give them the eyes that says like I'm with you because I look like a straight woman so I was only ever like felt that sense of camaraderie or community when I was with my wife or my ex-girlfriends. And this is the first time I've dated a man since I was 21, but really since I was 17, because I only had like a short stint of dating a man when I was 21. Um, And I have, like, I think that that is the case a lot when people date the person of the opposite gender. So like, even if you are attracted to both genders, people just like assume that if you're with a man, then you're like fully straight, which isn't the case right like it doesn't make any sense 
but that's just kind of how like society is trained to treat people basically. Yeah. And, and like, I kind of feel like, fuck, I'm a newbie when it comes to dating men. Like I don't really know my frontal lobe's never done it. Like this thing is fully developed now. It's never, it's never been with a man at full development, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like their response times are different and they're the way that they feel and receive emotion is different. And like, I think what is really nice about my person and I is his core values are really similar to mine. And I think the way that he gives and receives love is very similar. So we're both very like heavy on touch. And that means a lot to me. And that makes me feel very secure. So, but yeah, I don't know. I'll report back as we go more into this. I am only like two and a half months in. So, um, but like a really genuine person. I like briefly met him over zoom the other day before super feelers and he seems like a really genuine person and he plays Catan. So he already wins in my book. Although he plays a sheep game, which is a bad strategy. So I'm, I look forward to kicking his ass in Catan one day. Okay. But isn't he so handsome? Too? He is. He is. Oh my God. That beard just like kills me. And he's six feet tall. He's taller than me. Yeah, no, he's really, really, really good looking. Um, but if you knew anything about Catan, you would judge him for his sheep game too. So <laughs> Okay, well, that's fine. I don't know anything about Catan, but I do look forward to us playing together. Um, One of the interesting things when I listened back to BP Dating Chronicles 1 is because I was still in the new phase with him, the first few dates phase with him, I was having fun and I wasn't yet feeling like a level of attachment and... um, uh, the fear of abandonment and rejection hadn't kicked in and woo has that kicked in in full swing. Like that pendulum dropped hard. Um, and Lori knows we had a rough, rough go of it for like the last three ish, four weeks, maybe three weeks, two and a half weeks. I don't know. Um, where I just like my dysregulation was like, constant. And I think maybe right now I'm feeling like a little bit more leveled out. Um, but yeah, Lori, do you want to talk about that? Specifically the time where you hung up on me? (laughs) There was an incident where I didn't. Okay. I understand that hanging up generally takes two parties, but I did say I have to go now. Bye. I'm just messing with you. Um, but like I should have taken like a really depressing looking selfie of like the, the minute the minute your best friend hangs up on you when you're in the park and it's raining. Um, so yeah, so I do you want me to be honest? So Sarah has been pretty dysregulated. Um, and I get it. Sarah has been just as dysregulated as I would assume that a person with BPD newly dating somebody after a very intense breakup would be. Sometimes it's very annoying. And I know that I'm also very annoying. So like that, I think that Sarah and I are both like fine with admitting that. Right. So we had a moment, (laughs) Sarah and I had a moment a couple of weeks ago where she, there was an, there was like a, an incident with the guy who said something stupid, you know, 
men say things that they don't really understand that we're going to read into them. Fair enough. And it was like, it was at the end of the day, like it was a relatively small thing that happened because he didn't have any malicious intent to what he said, but um, it obviously like triggered Sarah pretty badly. And so then again, this whole, like, I'm going to not be abandoned. So I'm going to abandon this person thing kicks in. So we're on, we're on the phone and she's like, I'm going to break up with him. And I was like, no, you're not. She's like, yeah, I am. And then, so I was, I was out for a walk so that I could talk to her and like. Which I did not know you had to exit your home and stand in the rain to talk to me. That context was missing for me. So maybe I wouldn't have hung up on you. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I don't think there was time in the conversation for me to give context. <laughs> um, so anyway, she was very, very upset. Which- can I just say for the record, that's a very important thing to note is there wasn't time because the, the, the speed at which the dysregulation occurs when it's severe is so fast. You just can't easily plan for it. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. So now that, now that you say that, I actually remember what happened is you had texted me and basically said like, I can't do this anymore with the guy. And I said like, Oh, Hey, Sarah's VPD brain is Sarah home. And then I called you. And then you didn't answer. And then I called you again. You didn't answer. And then finally you're like, I need 20 minutes. I was like, cool, I'll give you 20 minutes. And then you called me at 20 minutes. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, I went for a walk at the park and um, you were again, like a dysregulated person with BPD getting into a relationship, right? Like, I mean, we've all been there. That's the thing is I'm not judging it because I've been there and I've been that person. And I have to admit watching it is interesting from a person who's been there a million times. Um, And so like, I'm always happy to listen and happy to watch it, but it's, uh, it's interesting to be the other side. Right. Um, Anyway. So basically what I told Sarah is like, you need to wait 24 hours. I was like, if you want to break up with them, no problem. Wait 24 hours. And you're like, well, I'm still going to feel the same way in 24 hours. I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay, cool. We'll just wait 24 hours. And how'd you feel in 24 hours, Sarah? Emotionally hungover, but wanted to be with him. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's honestly, I think that's like one of the most important things that I can do for friends who have BPD and do for myself for that matter. But like, wait 24 hours, every single time you're going to make a big life decision, wait 24 hours, because 99.9% of the time you're going to feel the exact same way 24 hours or sorry, the the opposite way 24 hours from now. And if you feel the same way, then great. Like then maybe you need to break up with the person. Right. But like, you can't, you can't make decisions because you're scared of abandonment that quickly, which is totally what was happening. Um, And then there was a moment about attachment. Yeah. And then that's where I hung up on you was I was talking about Tori, my ex-wife and feeling like guilty and and afraid and worried about this new relationship because I felt like I was securely attached to her. And how could I experience a secure attachment with someone and then get divorced with, get divorced from them? Because I felt like Tori was my first secure attachment. And I said, I think if, if a person is securely attached, then you wouldn't get divorced. And you said, I think you're wrong. I don't think that's always the case. And that was when I was like, I got to go by because I felt like what you were telling me was I wasn't actually securely attached to my wife. And I felt like incredibly invalidated that this thing that I thought that I clearly labeled my first secure attachment had been 
you know, like fruitful for four years of feeling like I was capable of securely attaching to someone and being securely attached. And then I thought you were telling me that, like, that wasn't the case. Obviously, I know that's not what you were saying, but in the moment, it felt like such a deep blow and I just had to go. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I'm going to make fun of you for hanging up on me, but that's fine. Right. Like I, um, the way that I remember that conversation going, um, was you said, I've been reading about attachment more. And I thought that, or I think that Corey was my, sorry, Corey, Tori was my first, um, secure attachment. And if you're securely attached with someone, they, they can't leave you. And I was like, well, that's not true. And you know, that is what, (laughs) is what I said. I was like, secure, you can be securely attached and the relationship won't work. You can't be like, oh, I'm securely attached. Therefore this person is stuck with me for the rest of my life. Like that's not the case. Right. So that's where I was like, well, you, I'm, you're wrong and you know, you're wrong, but okay, cool. And then fair enough. Maybe that wasn't what you needed in the moment. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but I'm trying to fact check me. That's all. Yeah, totally. And sometimes I do do that more bluntly than I should. Um, but there, I mean, it was one of those situations where like, I know that whatever I said, you were going to not like, so it almost didn't matter at that point. Right. Um, so I'm very glad you waited the 24 hours and you did text me afterwards and say like, Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that, which is fine. Like, again, I get it. I've been there too. And I know that that wasn't you talking. That was the thing is like, I was literally referring to you as like, Hey, Sarah's BPD brain, because that wasn't Sarah. And I knew that you knew that. And Sarah's BPD brain was winning. And I'm glad that it, you didn't let it at the end of the day. Yeah. That was a rough go. That was a rough stretch. (laughs) It was was rough stretch. I'm really glad to be out of that stretch. And I think part of this, the progression of this is like that that was a few weeks ago and I was still like, I'm feeling starting to feel more and more comfortable with him and in this thing every day. And I think what people like want us to believe about relationships is that it's just easy and it's beautiful. And you're in this honeymoon phase and it's just stunning. And like, no, that's a lie. This shit is scary. It's hard. It's hard work. Um, and you feel uncomfortable in it. And then I wasn't feeling comfortable enough to say to him, like, I'm dysregulated. I want to leave. I'm, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so Lori was going through that with me and she had no context for like what was going on and what it looked like. So of course it wasn't the most effective conversation. Now I feel like I could have that conversation with him and we could kind of like navigate it together. Um, was this, I can't remember, was this conversation that we had, was that before or after you told him you have BP? I think it was before. I think it was before. And I think that's a piece of it too. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, right? Like the honeymoon phase thing isn't real really, right? Like things aren't perfect at the beginning. If anything, I find them the hardest at the beginning because that's when things are changing so rapidly and my emotions are changing so rapidly that like I get dysregulated so quickly and I know that you do too and it's very hard to get back to baseline because the level of excitement passion fear anxiety anger are all rampant you add another person in there and like you it's a hard go right I think that that's not going to be the last time that you have that kind of 
week, day, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think that that's okay because at least for me, a lot of the relationships where the honeymoon period was like very rampant and like exciting and there were no issues brought up. It meant that we were hiding the issues that we had and we weren't working on them and having like a foundation of what was real. Right. So like you can pretend for six months and then you get to eight months and you're like, Oh, right. So by the way, these are all the things that are wrong with me. And I don't think that that's a good way of going about it. And I don't think that that's what you guys are doing because you've had that really hard conversation that you were super worried about. He's said, I understand he obviously has his own skills that he's using, which is incredible. And you seem to have a good communication strategy at this point. And you've set boundaries about how much time you can spend together because it was becoming overwhelming. And it's hard to do that. I hope that's cool that I shared that. But um, like, I know I get like obsessed with people. So I want to spend seven days a week with them. But then I also, that makes me more dysregulated because my routines are off. Right. And I think that that was kind of happening to you. Yeah. And I still feel that way. Like, I still feel like I'm skirting the line of like what is too much or not too much time spent with him. And I, I'm really feeling it right now because we've spent the last four nights together, I think, which is more nights than we've maybe ever spent together in a row. And it's fabulous. And I also feel, crave my my alone time and then the hard part is the BPD tells me not to crave the alone time it tells me to stay with him and to protect the thing that we have because if I'm loved by him then that means that I'm lovable right so I'm actually planning to leave like tomorrow or Wednesday um for like two weeks on the road in my van god willing we don't break down and break a nose or any other bone this time around um Uh, (laughs) but I'm feeling a ton of separation anxiety and I don't want that to be the norm in this, this relationship. So I think it's time for me to get back out there on the road. And he's like incredibly so supportive. Um, he sent me this text actually I'll read to you. Cause I said, I'm having a hard time deciding to go, which means I need to. I'm afraid I'm getting too dependent or something on you. And I really don't want that with like a heart emoji. And he wrote back and said, I don't either. I understand. I don't want you to stay here if that helps. You're going to love it out there. And I don't want you to miss that. Besides, I want to see pictures. So he's really, really supportive. And um, that that is really helpful. See, and to me, that is this kind of secure attachment that we were talking about, right. Is like, you can go and I'm not going to panic and I'm not going to be mad. I'll miss you, but that's okay. Right. And that's the difference between like obsession and like the constant need to be with people because then if you're with them, they can't leave you. Right. Like it's all this whole like BPD brain bullshit that goes on, but I think that you going for like a couple of weeks is going to be awesome. You're going to have a blast. Um, You're not going to break any bones. Fingers crossed. You're not going to break down. Fingers crossed. You're not going to lose your phone or your wallet. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Um, But at the end, he'll be still here when you get back. And absence makes the heart grow fonder. 
it's going to be awesome when you come back and you'll have time to kind of process. And the one thing that I ask is when you start doing that processing and there's a day where your brain goes like, abort, 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 don't. I won't. Good. Wait 24 hours. Wait 24 hours. All right. Well, let's. I love you so much. I love you too. And I am very happy for you in that your relation or your situationship has turned into a relationship between episode one and episode two. Um, And we will be back after Sarah's little road trip, I'm sure, for episode three. Chronicling, chronicling my my first adult boyfriend. Woohoo! I like it. <laughs> I right. need some sort of drama in my life. It's great. <laughs> All right, I love you. Hi, friends! Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bold Beautiful Borderline Podcast. Lori and I are so grateful that you're here with us on this journey, and we can't wait to dive into more topics in the future with you all about Borderline and even have some more fun and exciting guests to join us on the podcast. If you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you would rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. We would also love to see you interact with us on social media and on our Patreon page, The links to that are included in the show notes, so check us out there. We would be incredibly honored to get to know you all as you get to know us and our recovery stories. We love you, and we'll see you next time.